Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. All right, y'all. Well, welcome back to Morning Walk and Photo Talk with the Artist Forge. It's Monday. The sun is shining. I actually got to walk beginning in the sun this morning instead of in the darkness. So this is lovely for me. And I did... I did not do well yesterday with daylight savings time, but today seems to have been a little bit of a different story. I stayed up later than I should, hoping I would sleep in later than I should, and I did. So that's good for me and hopefully good for you. I'm really excited about this week because we're going to be tackling something we have only talked about in passing while we talked about other things, but This week, it is going to be the focus, and that is dealing with confrontation. And I have a lot of thoughts on this one. I actually woke up yesterday morning with this in my head, and I'm not certain what caused it to be the focus of like, hey, when you're dreaming, this is what you should be dreaming about. And it would be a really great idea if you woke up thinking about it as well. But for whatever reason, it did. And so here we are. This week, we're going to be talking about confrontation. We're going to talk about how to manage it, how to set our intention when we are having to go into a confrontational situation. Um, We're going to talk about how being effective is more important than being right. We're going to talk about how to get on the same side. So how to... Basically, instead of going at it as a war, how to bring the two sides of the confrontation together so you're attacking the problem with two people instead of one or five or ten or however this confrontation is working. So we're really going to be diving into the weeds this week. And these, this topic is important because it covers a lot of aspects of being not only a business person because you have things like customer service and business to business relationships that are just asking for some kind of confrontation to happen at some point. But as we talked about last week, we also have an online presence. We have forward facing, client facing um, presence, whether that's, you know, commercials, social media, billboards, whatever it is. And there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like what we have to say or what we've done or how we've worded something, who doesn't get our sense of humor or just for whatever reason is feeling spicy that day and is going to let us know about it. So how do we deal when that kind of thing happens? And there are a few things I want to begin with before we get into the meat of the conversation about confrontation. But the first thing is that we are going to walk into any confrontational situation with a few biases. And we need to be aware that those things are there. Recognize that your past, 
your experiences, the environment you grew up in, the people you surround yourself with, all that stuff is going to set you up to have certain beliefs that you didn't necessarily purposefully build for yourself. And what I mean is, if the environment that you grew up in told you that rich people are probably rich because they cheated and schemed, they're selfish and greedy, and you know they cannot be trusted, and then you try to have a conversation with somebody who holds the opposing view, you're just naturally going to default to arguments that support that bias. This is in all areas. This can be in anything. In any area of your life, you can have these biases that you may not even realize. So recognize that that is gonna happen because when you default to those things, you may not actually be supporting an argument that you really truly believe. You may just be parroting something that your tribe is used to thinking is true. So it's really important for us to be able to do some self-examination if we're going to handle confrontation wisely and effectively. And that also recognize that your ego will always be looking to defend its identity. So if you have a confrontation that deals with who you are as a person, who you are as a business owner, a service person, anything that supports the identity, the core of the identity of who you understand you are, you're going to immediately get defensive. You're going to want to deny everything that that person has to say because it's very important for you psychologically to maintain an identity you can be comfortable with and having to do any self-examination there is going to be a difficult thing to ask. So just be aware before we get into the conversation that you have these things going on with you. It's not, it's just a facet of human nature. And in order to be able to tackle confrontation wisely, we have to know that they're there. And then we really need to recognize that that is also going to be part of the tool sack the other person brings into this confrontation. They are going to have their own biases. They're going to have their own self-identity that needs protecting And so in a really strange way, walking into these confrontations is like walking into a psychological minefield because there are triggers you're not going to be able to see that don't necessarily have anything to do with you, but have everything to do with the other person's beliefs, biases, self-identity, all that kind of stuff. Um, And we'll be able to talk more in depth about those kinds of things as we get farther into the week. We're going to try to break down this conversation by um, kind of by by topic. So this has several topics. This idea of confrontation and how we deal with confrontation has several subtopics within it that we're going to go over. But today, the real focus is going to be on number one, being able to pay attention to to what you feel when confrontation begins to happen or when you know confrontation is about to happen and setting your intention for what you want this confrontation to look like and what you want the results to be. And I know it sounds strange to even think that that's something we can do because 
our natural reaction to confrontation is literally just to react, right? And most of the time it's in a, a self-defense um, posture. Like initially we want to defend ourselves. It's really hard to take some time to go, wait a minute, okay, clearly this person has an issue. Does it really have to do with me? <laughs> um, because if you start slinging arrows right away, you've already decided what the outcome of this is going to be. So to kick us off today, I would love to hear from the panelists, um, what is y'all's experience with confrontation as artists and business people? Have you noticed any trends? And do you ever take the time to set an intention when you know you have a confrontation coming up, whether that's online, maybe somebody has responded to your work in a really negative way or asked you a really negative leading question. Maybe that's a customer service thing where you have a customer who just is not going to be happy and they really have got a problem with the service, the product, you, whatever it is, um, or a business you've partnered with. I mean, of course, this extends across all facets of our life as artists. So how do you deal? And have you ever taken that time? Have you ever set an intention for what you want the outcome of a confrontation to be? I'd love to chime in, Nicole. And the reason is, I, it's just amazing that you, you have this subject this week. It, I, the way you uh, set up the subject and the, and the, and the opening uh, comments you made, you described to a T the week I just lived in, uh, in the last five days. And I know it's not related to photography, but just a quick uh, story. I'm, uh, I'm, I've been hired to do some coaching for management and employees at a aluminum smelter where people were out on strike for about three months. A really bad strike and hasn't happened in like 30, 40 years. And they're all back to work now and, they're, and we're putting on welcome sessions to all these employees. And I did six of them last week and I witnessed six of them with all the management team, including the general manager of the plant. And how people, when you talk about predisposed to anger, predisposed with assumptions about the other side, the other party, the stuff I heard this week, and it reminded me of my days way back when I was running a plant and when we did something wrong and we had to present it and, and sorry, when we present the stuff to employees and everything we've done was wrong and everything was that you're absolutely right. When we're predispositioned, we bring out any, anything that ever happened in the past 30 years that can work to our advantage today and show how angry we are and how wrong the other side is and how, so there isn't a better example of a union management conflict to bring out uh, some of the things that we need to watch out for as we go about our daily business and as we go about uh, dealing with confrontation. So I just wanted to point that out. It's fresh in my mind and uh, uh, it, it's, just, uh, it's just story after story after story, whether it's true or not, <clears throat> something that happened 20 years ago, totally irrelevant, becomes the most important thing that the guy standing in front of me just screwed up yesterday. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that. It's, it's not uh, it's not, you know, rich information for everybody, but uh, it's been my week. Oof. Well, it definitely sounds like you are going to be bringing some very relevant current experience into the conversation. Today. Yeah. Well, um, as well you... but to ask, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, as you're managing these things, 
um, how do you deal with well, managing the expectation yeah. of what do we want the end results of, of these? Because well, you know they're going to be conflicts. These people yeah. are mad, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to, to you know, keep, uh, keep going with. Uh, you know, management's intent and the best thing to do is to agree on the messaging and then not deviate from the messaging, right? It's almost like being a politician, unfortunately, and it's not, it's not, it's, uh, it doesn't sound right, but it, it's the only thing that works because you cannot fight that. People are waiting. They they wanna they they wanna let go when an angry customer's there. You gotta let them talk, right? But it's all about the messaging and the consistency of the messaging and the re repeating the message. So, you know, we've had three hours meetings with each group of twenty to twenty five employees, and we had five people presenting, including myself, on as a, as, a, as an outside uh, consultant. And we all had the same message and we would repeat the same words and, and we would bring our, you know, kind of twist it into whatever, whatever the subject of the, of, the, of the conversation is. But it's about messaging, 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 messaging. Now, the inter interesting thing is that everybody had to fill out, a sheet, fill out a sheet and say how they feel about this and are they engaged? Are they, are they uh, nervous? Are they skeptical? You know, there was some questions there and then they had to put their own comments. And interestingly, over 90% said they're fully engaged, they're ready to go back to work, let's go, right? So you, you gotta, you, you, it's like your children, right? Your children as they become teenagers, right? Where they start hating everything to do with parents and, and they're right <laughs> about everything. You can't give up on the right messages because they're actually listening. They're just not, they don't wanna admit it. Right. Sure. So you keep the message, you keep the message, you keep the message, you do all the right things. And it's funny, as they get into the 20s, they start telling you, they start proving to you, they start showing you and they start telling you that we were actually listening, listening, dad. <laughs> right. And if they don't say it verbally, they say it in their behaviors and how they conduct themselves in, in, uh, sure. <laughs> with their friends and in public. So it's, it's the same thing. It's about the right messaging and not giving up on what is important. Here. This is in terms of confronting somebody who is mad listening to them and and uh, so it, from a business perspective i guess uh, we'll probably end up going there this week sometime you know what are yeah. the things what are what are the things that you need to be prepared in advance for for either angry customers or whatever situation you may deal with and what would be the key messages to kind of stick by before getting into the solution uh, you know solution uh, phase of the conference of the confrontation sure because the, so, the messages the messages during the confrontation could be slightly different than when you get to solution right or right Anyways, yeah that's, absolutely that's my two cents to kick off the day all right on all right so if y'all are just joining us today this week we are talking about dealing with confrontation as artists and business people and folks who have an online presence how do we deal with confrontation? And what we're really focused on today is first, recognizing that each party is going to walk into this confrontation with their own biases and an ego to defend. And so we have to recognize that we will be equally as guilty of sometimes making arguments or making responses that are purely geared toward protecting our uh, ego as the other side will be. Um, so first we have to be aware of that. And then today we're really talking about setting an intention 
for what we would like the outcome of this confrontation to be. And here's why. If Matt says, you are the stupidest host that ever hosted a show, Nicole. And then I'm like, inside, I'm like, man, that hurts my feelings. I need to destroy Matt, right? Or I go, man, I didn't know Matt would say something like this to me. Where is this coming from? If we're going to have a confrontation, I want to maintain my friendship, right? Like, so how do I do that? So you have a chance to set an intention for what you want the outcome of a confrontation to be. You know one is coming because somebody has just approached you with something confrontational. That could be the call from your client saying, this is the ugliest album I've ever seen. I can't believe I just paid this much for this album. How could you sell this to me? And your response could be, this client is a jerk. These are the best albums I've ever sold. I'm gonna go to all my online photography friends. They're gonna agree with me. And then I'm gonna go hand this client their ass because how, how dare they say something like that to me? <laughs> or you take a step back and to set that intention, you go, I really wanna keep this client. <laughs> how do I approach this confrontation in a way that doesn't alienate, et cetera, et cetera, right? So Basam, before we go on to some of the other moderators, I want to ask you, I'm sure that setting an intention, I mean, obviously, management knew what they were hoping to get from welcoming folks back and doing all these sessions, right? Like, I'm sure they knew we want employees to come back who are engaged, ready to go back to work, who feel like, you know, the grievances have been addressed, right? Like, how did you get to be a part of any of that part of the process? Or how did that work into preparing you guys to go into some of these meetings? Well, I wasn't myself, but as a, the company that hired me, they, they spent some time and we talked about it. I mean, this is something you do. It, there's, there's obviously a strategy here and they hired somebody from the outside to, to help them uh, to help them craft the messages and, and talk about a return to work process. And it, it, it's exactly all of these things. This is what's the message. We know they're going to be upset. We repeat the message. And then we have a, a series of one on one uh, with their supervisors, and then we bring in coaches to help the supervisors deal and manage them. And that's my role. My role here is, is work with with management and 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 others on the, on the coaching and accompanying them through it. So there is a plan in place, uh, but you, you know, but you have to have thick skin, right? In the, in the sense that you've you've got to be able to take it, because even if you run an amazing business, a photography business, there's going to be that one customer that's going to rip you to pieces. And you really do have to have a thick skin and be able to take it. And I'll give you an, an I don't know why I'm, you know, one of the guys told the, the, the general manager, the top guy in the plant was, was opening up the speech. And one of the guys went on for about 15 minutes, uh, just blasting everybody in management and everything that ever happened. And at the end, he says, if I were the CEO of this company, I would not put you in charge of another plant ever. I don't have a clue what you're still doing here. Right in front of thirty, and this guy's been taking this meeting from employees for like twenty-eight meetings over the last three weeks. So, you know, what's what what's your version of that in terms of having to have that that fortitude and solitude to just listen to it and and come up with some some answer that that you obviously the opposite of what you'd like to say to that person, right? It's about keeping your composure. I don't know if I answered your question. I, I kind of babbled on. Yeah, I mean, you definitely touched on it. I think, you know, 
what you really just made clear is basically that before all of this happened, management took the time to get together and figure out how do we want this thing to go um, and make sure that they brought in advice as well. Like, how do you help us <laughs> and guide us through the process of making this confrontation end in a place that's profitable? Like, we need to get back to work. These people need to be earning their incomes, all that kind of stuff. So obviously, the desirable conclusion was already talked about and planned for before all of this, um, exactly. all of the meetings and everything took place. Exactly. Yeah. But, but yeah. there's also another aspect that I'm sure we'll talk about this week is how do you make things right? Right. Because at the end of the day, if, if, if there's a confrontation in our business, it, there, there's, you know, there's, we have to, we have to admit to ourselves, there's probably something behind it. I am wrong somewhere. I did something wrong. And that was evident here. I mean, management has done a lot of you know, things wrong and people are fed up of hearing the same thing over and over. So there's a lesson learned there in terms of how long can you keep that? Yes, you do that up front. You manage the confrontation, the confrontation well. You send all the right messages, but then if you don't follow through with the right actions after, you're in a worse situation. And, and uh, so, so yeah, having a plan for concrete action to right the wrongs in whatever the definition of that is, is a key part of uh, successful confrontation, I would say. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Um, and we definitely will get into that as we move on in the week, because obviously that is a key to the end of the whole equation. So yeah, thank you so much for that, Basam. You have some really interesting insights there, particularly in the position that you're in now. And I know even with your corporate background, um, that was something you had to keep firmly in mind. So Matt, Kat, Becca, how do you deal with confrontations that arise either, you know, in your online presence and in your business with customers, et cetera? And have you ever taken the time to set an intention for how you would like that confrontation or that conflict to end before you end up getting into one? Absolutely. And, you know, I think you'd mentioned a lot of things. It was, it was fascinating to listen to Bassam and I'm really interested to see what happens this week, but you know, what you were talking about earlier in your monologue about being aware of biases and, um, you know, are you parroting something you heard? What emotions are being stirred in you? Where's your ego going? All of that stuff. Well, for me, I know that I used to have quite a temper. I used to um, take everything as an offense to me. Um, and it was only when I started to really do the heavy mental work and deconstruct the ego and really start to understand myself that I realized that most confrontations that I, were in, that I was in, whether I was the aggressor or the defendant, if you will, um, was always a projection of something that I had going on, right? I didn't like the way somebody ran uh, a project or I didn't like what somebody said to me online or, you know, people didn't like the way that I spoke to them. Whatever the case was, it was always a projection of me. It wasn't my fault, right? And I was instantly on the defensive. And I started to really understand that I wasn't putting myself in the situation where I could deal with confrontation in a healthy way. So, Part of that was the stress inoculation of having those things, even in mock 
types of confrontations? What are all the permutations that someone could come up to me and challenge me in one way, shape, or form, whether that's physically, mentally, um, whatever it is. And I, I started to think through a lot of those permutations. I would put myself into situations where, whether it was hand-to-hand fighting or mental tests or problem-solving or you know something to challenge my normal behavior. And behaviors are easy to change. And I'm going to go down a little bit of a tangent right here just for a second. I'm going to come back to it. But I'm sure that, that Nicole, you've probably heard of this, and I'm sure several people have, about cognitive hierarchy, right, and what the model of that looks like. And for those of you that don't know, think of it like whatever food pyramid triangle that you want to look at. And at the very top are the behaviors that you do every day. And those are really easy to change. Those are, you know, getting up early, eating right, exercising, all that sort of stuff. All the way down at the bottom, um, you have your values. These are the things that you hold true. These are your core elements of belief. So it's very, very easy to change behaviors at the top of the model it's very, very, very difficult to change values at the bottom. And think of values as something more along the lines of religion or, um, you know, I believe the universe to be a certain way. In between the behaviors and the values, you have attitudes, you have norms, you have beliefs, you have intentions, right? All of that stuff mixed in. But it really comes down to your value system as to how you're going to deal with confrontation. So a lot of times, you know, the way that I try to approach confrontation, if I set an intention, if I know what's going to happen beforehand, hey, I'm about to put this out, some people might react negatively, I've already got it in my mind that I've got a pretty good sense of self. I know who I am. There's very little that someone can say to me directly that's really going to affect me. It's, it takes a lot. It used to not take much at all. Now I've got a pretty good sense of self and I'm pretty happy with the person that I am. So regardless of what I do, I know that I'm acting with values that I hold dear in mind. So when someone comes to me and they confront me with something and said that, you know, I did something wrong or I am wrong or my beliefs are wrong, whatever, that's perfectly fine. That's their opinion. And we all know what opinions are like. So For me, the way that I generally approach a confrontation, if it is some sort of verbal disagreement, you know, without violence in in the mix, but if it's some sort of verbal disagreement, what I try to do is make people feel validated, right? I repeat back to them exactly what they said to me, word for word. And I ask them, I said, is that what you said? And most of the times they're going to say, yeah, that's what I said. Then I follow it up with, Is that what you mean? And it gives them pause because a lot of times what people say is not what they mean. And if you rephrase things to say, you know, is that what you meant? And they then have to defend what it is that they said that they meant. And that can send the conversation a completely different direction. A lot of times they'll back down. Things will calm down a little bit more. So, It was a really effective tool that I used in managing in the corporate world when someone would come to me and they would express their problem and I'd repeat it back to them. Is that what you said? Yep. All right. Well, is that what you meant? Well, no, not really. I said, okay, well, what did you mean? And it would take the the confrontation down a different path, oftentimes de-escalating. So again, just to kind of sum up my long 
soliloquy here, you've got to think about what your values are and what the other person's values are. And you might be able to change their behavior. It's very difficult for you to change their values. So you've got to find the common ground where you both start at a value level that you agree upon and then start thinking about where do you go from there. If you can't meet at that value level, it's very difficult to make progress in the confrontation without it being, you know, a big ego driven thing. So with that, Nicole, I'll kind of turn it back over to you, but that's just kind of the way that I've dealt with confrontation. Ooh, there was so much good stuff in there, Matt. I mean, so many great things to look at and consider and to pick apart. Um, and I absolutely agree with you. I think being able to do that work first that allows you to come face to face with some of your own propensities, your own biases, your own belief systems, et cetera, um, and recognize that there are parts of you that manifest some behaviors that you did not build for yourself. And as an example, um, one of the reasons that this is an interesting conversation for me personally is because my ability to manage confrontation with people is a trauma response <laughs> um, from having parents who fought when I was little. Um, I lived in a really contentious household. My mom and dad, they loved us. They loved each other, but they were young, stubborn, passionate people. And so when one was right, the other was absolutely wrong and there was gonna be a screaming match involved and it wasn't always very nice. There was never physical violence, um, but certainly, certainly verbal stuff. And um, the reason that happened is because both of my parents had trauma from the way that they were raised. So my mom was always looking to protect and her protection came in the form of verbal aggression, right? Like, don't talk to the kids that way because her father was abusive and so the teeth would come out. My father was the same. So there was always a lot of that going on when I was really small. So my default reaction to confrontation is to fix things and deescalate. And how can I really pay attention to what's happening around me? The tone, the body language, all of that kind of stuff. I began to be able to read that kind of thing really well. And so it also means that I had to pay close attention to what people meant and not what they said so that I could come along and try to fix and smooth things over. And I got pretty good at it to the point where I could manage my family before the bad thing happened pretty well. It didn't always work because I was young and they were parents and I was not, but pretty well. And so a lot of my experience that I brought over into my adult life as a diplomat is a result of that trauma and having to learn how to manage people so I didn't have to be afraid all the time. And of course that's been refined as an adult, but it is a perfect example of the fact that there are a lot of things that will get built into us that we did not choose to build. And we have to be able to look at that stuff and recognize that it exists because if we don't, every conflict is gonna turn out the same way. It's gonna turn on into for somebody, you know, like you, Matt, when you said, you know, you, you immediately had to protect yourself. Every conflict is gonna turn into a fight because 
any type of correction or any issue people bring to you is automatically going to become an attack on your character, even when that wasn't their intention, because that's what we are adding to the equation. I am always adding to the equation, this could turn into a fight. <laughs> How do I manage this so that it doesn't? So if we don't take the time to figure those things out about ourselves, um, we're, we're going to end up with consequences that we don't intend. And that's why taking the time to set an intention is so important before you wade into battle. If your intention is to salvage what can be salvaged, your approach is going to be a whole lot different than if your intention is to go in for a scorched earth campaign, right? And if you want to salvage things, but you don't have the tools because scorched earth is all you've ever done, you need to know that because you need to go be able to build those tools, which means doing exactly what the company Bassam is working with, bring in somebody who can help you and guide you through that process so you know what it looks like. So that's why this conversation is so dang valuable, guys. Um, so Matt, I'm, I'm so grateful for all the things that you just said. I think there was so much important stuff in there. And I appreciate that you can be here as an example of somebody who does the work and has done the work and knows what it feels like to have to step away from your ego and your biases and all of the other things that kind of force you into a certain path of action. So if you were to share with folks any resources that they might be able to look at to start on that journey so that they can become better at managing confrontations and of course all the other benefits that come along with it, um, where do you think people should start looking? It's a really good question. And I'm sure I can go back through my library and pick out some of the books that I've read um, about conversational techniques and learning that. But a lot of my work, a lot of what helped me truly, and I've said this before a million times, is therapy, right? Unpacking my own shit, understanding myself and understanding what it is that gives me triggers and why. Rarely is it the fact that my coffee at Dunkin' Donuts is too hot and that's going to ruin my morning. There's something a little bit deeper than that that is causing me to go off the rails and run back into Dunkin' Donuts and yell at the people, right? There's something a little bit deeper than that. So it's understanding what are your triggers, but more importantly, what are your values? What are you not willing to compromise on? Because those are core to who you are and what your soul feels like, not necessarily your ego, but what, what guides you. Um, and then start to look at how is that ego overlay really start to bring in the day-to-day -day differences, the projections that you might have. So what I'll do, Nicole, is I'll go back because I just have a, a ton of books. Um, and I'm sure, you know, David does as well. We could probably utilize him as a resource for some of this stuff. But what I'll do is I'll go back through my library and see if I can't come up with some good uh, book titles and authors and put those into the Facebook group and, um, you know, let, let folks kind of decide for themselves. But for me, it was quite frankly, therapy and working through my own stuff first. Now confrontation doesn't bother me at all. Outstanding. Yes. And if you are not part of the Facebook group, look up at the top. I just, I forgot to add the link earlier. Sorry, guys. The link to the Artist Forge Facebook group is up there at the top. So 
go hang out in there. We'll be looking forward to Matt's suggestions for books. And Kat, Becca, the question now falls to you just to refresh, guys, if you're just joining us. Today we're talking about how we can manage confrontation and how setting an intention before you wade into a confrontation is really important to being able to respond properly when somebody comes to you with an issue, whether that's a customer who had a problem with your service, whether that's somebody who didn't like what you had to say online, whatever it is, we need to be able to manage these situations in a way that's healthy and effective and setting an intention before you go swinging your sword is really important. So Kat, Becca, do you have any thoughts on one, confrontation management, but two, making sure that you set that intention for how you want things to end up before you uh, wade into battle? Um, I think it, it depends on, you know, where that, that's coming from. Um, if we're talking about, a you know, a client, right? It's always, 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 no matter what, because of a lack of education on my part. Like, I don't care what it is. Um, it could be, I don't like this retouch. It could be, I don't want to spend this much. It could be, you're a bad person. Doesn't matter. Um, because at the end of the day, it's, okay, where did I misstep? for this to be the result. So I try and, you know, that intention is always meeting that client where they are, understanding and that I have to be the one to take responsibility for whatever X, Y, or Z is, um, and then taking it from there. Because if a client is upset, it's because I didn't do something in my process that made them feel safe. There's uncertainty somewhere. So I'm going to look at that from a space of, okay, where did I go wrong here? And how do I make this right? And that's the intention always. How do I make this right? Um, and, you know, I, I think I've talked about it in this group before. I had a, a client who ended up with like this basically knocked down drag out with her spouse over amount of money that she spent and everything had been ordered and all of these things. And I ended up with a barrage of text messages and voicemails about how I'm a terrible person. I'm a shyster, all of these things. And we found a common ground, but it took some time, right? It was like, no, I, I got to adhere to my contract and then still be the bigger person by allowing some negotiation to happen, regardless of my loss of, of funds on what I'd already spent on the product itself. Um, but everything boiled down to, you know, I can't take responsibility for your issues with your husband, but I can take responsibility for you not understanding why this has to be a thing now. Right. Um, so when I'm able to look at this issue with a client situation, if I'm go ahead and I'm able to take some ownership of that, and then come to the client like, okay, let's go ahead and get you exactly what you need, what you want, what do you need understanding with, like, how can I be in service to you right now so that we can resolve? That's the only intention that I set when it comes to client. Now, personal, it's really more about just understanding the values behind the confrontation in the first place. 
like Matt was talking about. Like, you know, once I understand what that is, whether it's from a place of a trauma response, right, Nicole? Or if it's from a place of just understanding a person, um, it then becomes like, okay, how do I make this right with you? Do I even want to? And that's a big one that I think a lot of us struggle with, at least as adults in personal relationships, is do I give a shit right now? Do I really give a shit? Yeah, I think I'm so glad that you said that because um, I love the fact first that you have set an intention for confrontation with clients that applies across the board. So you don't have to waste any of your cognitive daily percentage or your executive function trying to figure out what intention you need to set because if it's a customer you already know what the intention is going to be which means you know what the battlefield looks like and you know where you are at on it and this is all really important information anytime you are about to have a conflict so i really really love that um and and i think that it's highly incredibly important for us as business people to take the time to ask ourselves that question. If this confrontation is coming from a client, what is the baseline value that it applies to? And is it always, how do I make this right? And taking the time to have that personal responsibility um, because obviously we can't change our clients. Like you know, Matt was saying earlier, change, changing somebody else's beliefs Man, I mean, changing their behavior is hard enough. Helping, even helping somebody change their behavior who wants to can be difficult because it's built on a foundation of belief, right? But getting all the way down there to the bottom and trying to shift those stones, that is some difficult shit right there. So really important for us to take the time to recognize those things and to have that personal responsibility beforehand because we know we can do the work for ourselves. We can't do it for our clients, but we can do it for ourselves. And that gives us a lot of power and agency in the situation. So I really love that you mentioned that. And then the next part that I thought was so important is when you're setting that intention for a group of folks that are not included in that blanket statement, maybe that's somebody who commented on an article you wrote online or a person responding to a photo of yours or whatever it is for any reason, um, do you care? Is, is that something you even wish to salvage? And are, is it a confrontation worth wading into? Which is why this question of setting the intentions becomes so important. There are times when, and, and this is just a personal example from my life, but when I was writing for F-stoppers, there were times when people would comment on articles that I had written, and it was just bogus trolley bullshit that I, I didn't care. I wouldn't even bother to respond because it was not worth the mental effort and the calories, right? But then there were other people who would comment things that I had to stop and think about and go, okay, wait a minute. If somebody says something like this and other folks come along and believe what this person has to say, is that an outcome that I'm comfortable letting slide or do I believe based on my values that I have a moral obligation to say, wait a minute, this is not correct. This is not how we talk about this group of people or whatever it is. Is this a confrontation that I want to get into? And if I do, do I really believe that I can change this person's mind? Or is my intention to make sure that I'm an advocate for later folks who will come along and read this comment thread so that they don't get pulled um, into this path without somebody there 
as a signpost to say, wait a minute, consider for a fact for a second that this might not be correct. Um, so that's why doing exactly what you said and asking yourself, like, do I even care? Is this something worth getting into? Is such an important part of setting your intentions um, before you decide whether you're going to engage in any conflict. And if you are, how you're going to go about it. So Becca, what about you? Do you have any thoughts on conflict or uh, management, confrontation management, and what setting intentions look like in that sphere? Well, straight up, I'm not going to pretend to have some articulate monologue of my own, uh, because confrontation is definitely something that I personally struggle with. Um, and my approach to confrontation in different spheres is very different. Um, and it's something I have spent a lot of time thinking about and being introspective about um, because of how my responses to different forms of confrontation are. Uh, when it comes to work, um, I actually generally feel much more confident um, because I think of the the level of mastery or expertise or knowledge that I have, uh, particularly in my own business, but when I've worked in other businesses as well, where I know the ins and outs of what the business is, what it needs, what our goals and intentions are, and what our customers need to get in order to then, you know, meet those needs. And so I'm generally pretty comfortable in those kind of situations, I want to make sure that customers are heard. I want to make sure that they feel valued. And, you know, again, coming from that sense of empathy and service uh, when dealing with someone around money, right? And then, you know, making sure that they feel comfortable in that kind of exchange. Um, interpersonal conflicts and confrontations, um, like things with family, much more uncomfortable for me. Uh, and I think maybe because the stakes are very different, you know, there's things that have a little more value than work at stake there. There's more emotions at stake and um, they can be a little bit more difficult. And uh, I, I guess to kind of give an example here, one of my sons, I, I have a lot of conflict with one of my sons and um, it has been a, a really long process and we're, we're still working at it about, you know, how to diffuse these kind of situations. Um, and, you know, I, I get mad. I get real mad at him um, and about it, you know, at his behavior and the things that he says. And uh, I have to put a lot of practice into, you know, as Matt kind of mentioned, you know, controlling my own behavior there and, you know, having to look at why am I getting upset? You know, what values am I willing to budge or not budge on here? And, you know, really looking at how does then my behavior affect his behavior in turn. Um, but it's, it's a, not as kind of instinctual process as it is in the workplace, which is interesting to think about. Um, and then, you know, and then there's other situations, let's say strangers, where again, those stakes are very different, you know, things like getting in an argument online or, you know, maybe something in person, right? If you see someone saying something, you know, wrong or that you disagree with in a social situation, um, in those situations, again, I'm much more comfortable being confrontational. Uh, if someone is doing something that I think is genuinely morally or factually wrong, I am absolutely okay with confronting them and essentially being the bad guy or being the aggressor in certain situations because that matters to me on a moral level and I don't give a single shit if someone gets mad about it um and you know again when we're thinking about intention like what is my intention in being aggressive in certain situations that I think are you know 
abhorrent, if you will. Um, it's less about outcome and, you know, kind of like you said, being that signpost and making sure that there is a statement made and maybe it sticks, hopefully it sticks. Um, but the intention and the goal more or less being that someone says something to someone who's behaving wrongly. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, my behavior is all over the map, all over the map. And it's, it's interesting to think about. And it's definitely something that I, you know, have to spend more time working on in certain situations and thinking more about. Man, there's so much valuable, valuable stuff um, this morning, because I think in the audience today, if you're just joining us as we're talking about how we manage conflict, um, how we manage confrontation as artists, as business people, and everything that we do in our business also ultimately comes down to our personal set of beliefs, right? So this is a multifaceted topic that is going to take the rest of the week to dig into. And it's really interesting to me that for most of us in our regular lives, which the framework is the intention, right? Like the, the framework is how do we approach this thing with what outcome in mind? And a lot of us in our daily lives don't take a lot of time to ask ourselves whether we should have a framework when it comes to interpersonal conflict. I had to, I had to, and I'm still working on this for sure, but I had to build this early on with, a, with my, my oldest son because he's really incredibly sensitive. And um, if I were to approach him the way that I can approach my middle child, um, you know, it would not work. He would not respond. He would be, he would be hurt. Um, and then of course, hurt people hurt people. Um, and he would withdraw from me. So I had to build a framework around how I approach that kiddo when there's something that we need to work on or when there's behavior that needs to be dealt with because I, I could not do what, what nature naturally fitted me out for. I had to alternate my approach and the same is true for my husband. Um, we have to approach him in a way that fits him. So we had to build that framework. And that's really what this conversation is about, guys. It is about taking the time to ask ourselves, how do we approach a conflict so that it becomes not just two people walking away with wounds? Because more often than not, that is the result. And there have been times, so I, I probably should admit this about myself, my trauma response, I mentioned before, is to be a negotiator, a a diplomat, somebody who kind of fixes things for everybody. My natural primary desired response, the thing I want to do is hurt people. Um, and I know that's a terrible thing to admit about yourself, but when, for instance, um, somebody comes for a friend of mine or says something to my kid, or, you know, if, if they're, my, my, my first inclination is to go tear the person down. I don't know if this is something I get from my family or if I just have a really strong self self-protection um, response, but I would really like to say things to you that are going to hurt your feelings. I know that that is terrible. I recognize that about myself. And ultimately, that's not the person I want to be. So I guess in a way you could consider that kind of an animalistic response. Um, I want to prove to you that you're wrong. I want to be right. I want to be standing on the top of the hierarchy. It's really difficult, guys, to admit that about yourself and to be able to say, 
my very first, my knee-jerk reaction without thinking is going to be self-protection. It's going to be scare you enough to make you go away, make you never want to say things like that to me or the people I care about again. That's a difficult thing to admit about yourself because it's kind of sucky, but that is not the person I want to be. And so that's why conflict management um, is so important to me because I know who I want to be and I know the kind of person I want to build myself into. And over years of practicing, making sure that my intention when going into a conflict is not that I, I walk away unscathed and the other person walks away broken. What a shitty thing to think, right? My intention when going into a conflict is now to make friends of my enemies. I'm not always successful at this. There have been times in the past where I have waged, like just walked into battle with two swords and no shield, right? Um, but I will tell you, every time that happens, I feel awful about it because I recognize now that that response is not, that's not the person that I want to be. So that's work that I have to do continuously to retrain my knee-jerk reaction so that if for some reason I do end up getting into a confrontation when I have not had the time to step back for a minute and go, okay, wait a minute, how do I want to deal with this? Um, so that it is, it, the reaction, the response is in alignment with my deepest values. So this is a really big thing for us to talk about. And I know we're toward the end of our hour, but I want to make sure that the audience has a chance to share any of their thoughts on how y'all deal with conflict and whether or not you take the time to set an intention for what you would like the end of this conflict to look like before you get into it. So um, I see Ari's got his hand up. If anybody else has any thoughts, please go ahead and raise your hand. I want to bring you up and get those thoughts before we end for today. Sorry, guys, I'm trying to grab you, but for some reason it's not working for me. There we go. All right, Ari, um, what are your thoughts today on confrontation management? Hey, thanks for bringing me up. Um, Ashley just caught like the tail end. Um, but I, I really wanted to you know, give a, some thoughts quickly on um, what Becca and what you said and what you just said also um, really resonated with me and, and um, I do have a thought on it. Um, you know, Becca, you were talking about your interactions with your son um, and also just in general, your, as I'll put it, your, your sense of um, justice and, and, and not letting something, you know, go by in a, set, in a setting that needs to be addressed. Um, you know, I'm, I sort of am, talk about imposter syndrome um, with Gene right next to me, but, you know, I'm immediately reminded of, of the honor code um, of several of the military academies, which is to, um, you know, I will not lie, cheat, nor seal, nor tolerate those that do. That second part being really the most, to me, the most relevant part. Um, in that, you know, many of us just cannot tolerate um, extreme, you know, injustice and, um, you know, whether it's in whatever form and, and, 
in a sense, to be to be silent is to be complicit. Um, at the same time, though, and, and this is as it relates to you know interpersonal relationships, whether it be business or per, or family. Something that someone told me that taught me recently that I should have it tattooed on myself or something, but because I, I keep repeating this to myself over and over again, is that you own your own actions and your own reactions, but you can't own others' actions or reactions. And a lot of times, if I'm in a high conflict situation, um, and I respond, you know, I'll, 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 my knee jerk reaction will be to say, oh, well, you know, I had no choice but to respond um, because this person did X, Y, Z. But the, the point being that at the end of the day, you still need to own your actions and your reactions. So in a sense, like, there's this balance between, that we have to sort of strike between, um, you know, you know, reacting or not reacting, you know, versus like this extreme, you know, value we have of standing up for justice and our own integrity. And I guess the the part I wanted to add to, uh, you know, I think is really important is that when you're doing that equation, sort of that you, you know, imply the call um, of, you know, the cost and and sort of, you know, basically the cost of, cost-benefit analysis when you're trying, you know, that you have to do instinctively and mentally instantly, it's, it's really important, I think, to make sure that you also put in that equation, the cost of reacting um, on your own psyche. Um, so you may get, you know, a, an instant, you know, whether it's dopamine or whatever else, you know, hit from, you know, uh, you know, landing that, whether verbal or, or actual punch on somebody, um, you know, to react to something, but there's a cost to that, that you have to then carry. And it's important not to ignore that when, when, you know, like, like Becky, you said, you don't give shit, a shit about what somebody thinks, you know, that I, 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 I well, I, I, I appreciate that very much, but I just, you know, so we urge you to, and all of us, and I, you know, I struggle with this greatly is to make sure to, you know, we talk about all the time. You have to value yourself. You have to love yourself. But you also have to um, make sure in that framework to um, account for the costs on yourself when you're doing it, because if not, you're not taking care of yourself at all. And one last thought, it's really just coincidental. Um, I literally half hour ago read an article um, that if you want to just back channel me anyway, and I'll send you the link. But basically, Ellie Wiesel, and I, again, I'm not going to go, you know, full religious here at all. But he was an incredible person. If you you know, don't know who he was, um, but he he one of the things that the, the, I'm sorry, the article was about his thoughts on the Book of Job from the Bible, which I've never read. I don't really. I mean, I know vaguely what it's about. But here's the basic point that he came out of it: is that the book is about suffering faith, rebellion, justice, perversion of ideas, and and um, kind of families. And that was his question, what's the book about? And his answer is that you don't end up knowing more about, you know, your own suffering and, you know, sense of justice and, you know, and what have you. Um, but rather the goal is that it's something that we always have to wrestle with. And our goal is just to be, you know, able to be, have more clarity when trying to do that work of wrestling with it. So I thought it was just, uh, you know, both what you said was very impactful and how related. I hope that uh, 
kind of rambled on. I hope that made sense. Uh, Ari, complete. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you echoed absolutely my thoughts on the fact that we do have to ask ourselves what is the cost, not just to the other person, but to me. And I know that if I if I go into a confrontation, um, when I have not go gone in thoughtfully, um, I'm going to feel bad about it later. I'm I'm going to every act. This is another reason. Read the book um, <laughs> Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, one of the things he said, which I think is really powerful, is every action is a vote for the kind of person we want to be. And so if I go and take an action that doesn't agree with my deepest held values, then what I'm doing is casting doubt upon whether or not I'm the kind of person that I want to be. And so if I wade into a confrontation with the intention of hurting somebody, what am I telling myself about me and who I am as a person? And that is something that we absolutely are right. We have to consider before we walk into any conflict, whether it's, you know, something with a customer who has an issue with their product or whether that's, you know, somebody online who has had something to say. And if we can walk away from those discussions justified, it's a whole different feeling than if we walk away going, why did I do that? <laughs> that's not who I want to be. Um, so well taken point. I want to make sure. Oh, go ahead, Becca. Oh, I just wanted to to toss out there I, I loved all that Ari and um yeah I mean on the topic of not giving a shit I mean it's, it's always got to be situational right and um that's interesting that you you brought up Ellie Wazell um I mean because I feel like that's something I, I'm Jewish and um I feel like approaches to confrontation uh particularly like larger moral issues uh like anti-semitism you know or racism or misogyny or whatever um are actually something that are discussed a lot uh, in, in synagogue and, you know, by rabbis and stuff like that. Um, and often from, uh, kind of that place of, you know, looking at value and looking at, looking at how other people think and understanding how they think. Um, but yeah, so I, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff. So I think, um, I, I just appreciated you bringing that up. Yep. And we will get into more of that side of the conversation this week, y'all. So be, uh, be here for that. All right, Jean. What are your thoughts? And then we'll get to Erica and then we'll close up. Good morning. Good morning. I just think it's so fascinating when all the, as a, as a, as a Catholic boy, that all the amazing and, and uh, philosophical voices in my head seem to be Jewish these days. I think that's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the same Bible. <laughs> I, know, I know. So anyway, I love you guys a lot. Um, but in uh, and, and, and just a quick note on alignment, you know, I don't remember if you mentioned it in this room or how this happened, but I just joined a local uh, book club here in my in my local neighborhood. It, it popped up in a Facebook group and they were looking for people to support it. And we all voted on what book we wanted to read first. And the first book that uh, everyone voted on was Atomic Habits. So I have started that book. And uh, then all of a sudden you brought it up in this room. So I thought that's funny. My first takeaway from the book is that I'm terrified of baseball bats, but we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say real quick. So on conflict, obviously, I, I think I think Bassam and I probably have um, some, you know, really similar experiences when it comes to conflict. Um, so I, I kind of automatically go to that world when I think about conflict. Although I've had I have had some experience um, with conflict recently, you know, working with clients. So I do. I am fascinated by you know how the two relate to each other. But my thoughts on conflict um, come from 
this study or analysis that I've tried to make of conflict in terms of a, of a life cycle. So, you know, where, where does conflict really begin? And I think it's important sometimes to remember that the conflict doesn't always begin at the point of ignition. Sometimes, you know, conflict, I mean, I think really and truly conflict can be defined as, as a result of, of building emotions. And that may be uh, an instant building of emotions, or it could be things brewing up over time. But at some point, there's an affliction point where it just, it, it, it breaks over the levee, and then the visible conflict takes place. But that conflict most likely has existed before it actually becomes something tangible. And so what I um, have tried to do in the past is figure out, you know, wh where is the misunderstanding? Where is the misalignment? Where, where are the things that could lead to, um, to conflict? And can I address those things, identify those things, be savvy enough as a leader to recognize those things before they become conflict to a point that damages productivity or the result of whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. One of the things that I was known for when I was a director was in, in the federal government, we have unions and the unions were um, very active and pretty much every manager, uh, and I can speak mainly just about the patent and trademark office, pretty much every manager at the patent and trademark office lasts about two months before they get their first union grievance filed against them. Um, the unions generate these grievances as a, as a matter of, uh, of, of self-survival. And so they're constantly pushing people to create these grievances. And it's, it's pretty well understood um, that you're going to get a grievance against you. I did 18 months as a director and never had one union grievance filed against me. And about halfway through my, my term there, um, a, a peer manager came by and was just like, you know, fascinated. He's like, I just don't understand it. Like, I, you know, you've got the largest division in the patent trademark office. You have some of the most difficult employees that, that have well-known and well-documented relationships with the unions, and yet you've had no union grievances. And they asked me, you know, what, what, how, do, how is that possible? And to me, it just did, it never seemed like it was rocket science. I mean, my role as a leader was to take care of my employees, to take care of the humans that were entrusted to me to accomplish our mission. And the way that I avoided that kind of conflict where they had to bring in a third party to resolve things between us was I made sure that I took care of my employees better than the union could. And that came down to me getting to know my employees, know what their uh, concerns were, know what their needs were, and make sure that I was doing everything within my sphere of influence to address those needs and make sure that they were happy. And that was just my way of identifying potential conflicts and issues that could lead to conflict and making it my job to address them before I had to be the manager that was then now dealing with conflict because that to me seemed counterproductive. By addressing those issues and those problems early on, I achieved the double result of a, avoiding conflict, and B, creating a much happier workforce that was a lot more productive and getting work done. Probably one of my most favorite things about leadership and about management as a whole. Um, so I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I could drone on forever. I, I, I want to respect Erica's time because I know she has something to say. 
So I just wanted to just say that, you know, um, I just think that there's, there's a lot to be said for recognizing the life cycle of conflict and understanding that there's a responsibility before the conflict happens. And there's also a responsibility after the conflict happens to avoid conflict from coming back. And so I think that's an important um, uh, aspect of conflict. That's something that I've always been very uh, cognizant of. And Erica, I, I, I love, I always love everything that you have to say and also your photos. So I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm a moderator in another room. I have to jump off. So I'm not going to flee and not listen to what you have to say. I just didn't want to seem disrespectful by, by popping out after I said my piece. Sorry. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, that's awesome, Gene. Thank you. Thank you. And Nicole, do you want to respond to Gene before I start? No, just, just, of course, as always, you know, thanks for the thoughts and that you're right. We do have to, um, we do have, particularly when it comes to our business, a responsibility to be avoiding those conflicts before they happen, which is, of course, I think, to Kat's point about education and setting expectations, which is definitely something we're going to talk about this week. So definitely appreciate your thoughts. And Erica, I can't wait to hear from you. Yeah, actually, it's very similar to what Jean said. Um, I have been listening the entire time thinking about um, my conflict aversion, um, especially when it affects the perception of my character. I mean, those are the things that um, more than anything else keeps me awake at night. So I'm desperate to avoid conflict. Um, and like Kat was saying, you know, it's 99.9% .9 of the time it's in my communication. Um, which for better or worse, majority of my communication is in written form, not only so I can go back and figure out what was said between me and a client, but also, um, you know, so I, I know if I was in the right or if I was in the wrong, um, but then also the willingness to fall on the sword if I have to, um, or if, if it's, if it is my issue. You know, sometimes I will even before a client even realizes there's a problem because I want them to know I am trustworthy. I want them to know that I am somebody um, not trying to swindle them. And, and um, so again, avoiding that conflict, which I have done rather successfully. I mean, early on my, in my career, I think I had some pretty big ones um, that caused me to change my process and all of that to to really really um, focus on avoiding that because I don't deal well when it actually comes to pass. I can definitely sympathize with you there. I prefer not to do it. <laughs> I don't want to have to do it, um, and and I think many of us can probably empathize as well. So. This has been a really great conversation to give us a beginning framework for the rest of the week as we talk about different aspects of managing confrontations because these things are bound to happen. We are going to run across confrontations in our life at some point, whether they are political or interpersonal or they have to do with our customer service or our presence online something is going to pop up that somebody's not going to like and they are going to let us know about it and we're going to really look at some of the tools that we can use this week that not only build a framework for dealing with those confrontations 
but also help us think about how we approach them. And for me, that has been the biggest game changer in not only looking back at why my initial responses are what they are, like what purpose do they serve? Why am I constantly wanting everybody to get along? Um, and when I realized that that was a trauma response, I am looking to make things safe for myself. Um, I was able to deconstruct that a little bit and, and recognize that it's a useful tool, but it needs to be used not just for my own personal safety, right? It needs to be used towards some end goal, which is where setting your intention comes from. So if this is from a business perspective, we're talking about setting an intention for how we deal with our clients and what we want those outcomes to be. If this is for an interpersonal um, issue, asking ourselves, ideally, if I could have this end in an ideal way, what is that ending? And then how do I approach this with that ending in mind? And we're really going to dive into that this week. But what I would encourage everybody to do, and I will see if I can find a link for the Facebook group. There is a man who I think epitomizes a fantastic way to approach and deal with these things. His name is Daryl Dawson. He is a musician. He is also a black man who has through friendship, basically convinced several highly placed people within the KKK to give up their robes up to and including the Grand Wizard, simply by recognizing that are these people wrong? Absolutely. Are they humans who are imperfect and have made mistakes and have biases that they didn't always build for themselves? Yes. And by putting himself in a relationship with these men has changed who they are as people and the future of their lives. He has a TED talk. It's really incredible. You can also watch interviews with him where he talks about the fact that approaching these situations from a question of, well, what is the ideal outcome, right? Well, the ideal outcome is these people stop being racist. And he would have every right to be furious to want to tear them down, but his approach is recognizing if I go into this battle with a flamethrower, I'm just going to entrench them further in their beliefs. But if I walk into this, allowing them to see me as a human being and allowing them to recognize that I see them as a human being, pretty soon they're going to recognize that the differences between us are minuscule and it becomes impossible to hate somebody we see ourselves in. So his story and his experiences are absolutely incredible. Um, so I would encourage everybody to look that up. His name is Daryl Dawson. Um, and I will see if I can find a link to share some of those in the Facebook group. But it might give you and me a really great initial understanding to how managing conflict can actually end in a fantastic way for everybody. And it does not always have to end with one person feeling like they're walking away the winner and the other person feel like they're walking away the loser because all that really does is set us up for conflict again in the future. So just some things to think about as we end today. This is going to be a really intense week because we're, we're asking ourselves to look at ourselves and then to recognize the fact that those instincts that we have, those, the self-protection, the, the ego, the identity, all of those things will be reflected in other people. They will be struggling with those issues too. They might not even be as cognizant of them as we are, 
which means we don't have to make somebody the bad guy in order to address their behavior. So all of that stuff coming up this week, guys, I hope you will be here with us, sharing your experiences, learning along with us so that we all become better at managing conflict, which not only makes our life better, but also makes our business better. So I'm excited to get in that with, into that with you all. I hope you have an amazing day today. And I hope we will see you bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That is 6 a.m. for the West Coast, 9 a.m. for the East Coast, afternoon for our friends overseas, and that you go and make something amazing today. See y'all in the morning. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.